Hey everyone, it's Bina007 back for another 10-minute movie review and today I am talking about The Killer by David Fincher, the iconic director behind films like Seven and The Social Network. The Killer is a mordantly funny, coolly stylish, impressively lean and spare hitman procedural. It's based on a cult graphic novel by Alexis Nolant, which I possess but haven't read, so I can't tell you if it has been adapted faithfully, but the adaptation has been written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who also wrote David Fincher's film Seven, so the sensibility seems right. We spend the film inside the mind of a ruthlessly pragmatic hitman played by Michael Fassbender, who you'll know from films like Shame and the latest Alien film and also Inglorious Bastards. We watch him narrate and then mess up a hit on a French businessman in Paris. And he basically spends the entire rest of the film taking revenge on the people who tried to wipe out the chain of evidence leading to the fiasco. There's not a lot of on-screen dialogue, but flashes of deliciously dark humour and social satire from our deadpan narrator as he deftly takes down German tourists, New Orleans restaurants and Floridian ex-cons. As for David Fincher, his social satire extends to self-absorbed, beanie-wearing billionaire tech bros, as superbly exemplified in Arliss Howard's cameo. There's nothing not to love about a film that is this well-made. It's just so stylish and handsome in its execution, so dark in its humour, so brilliantly scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, so pure in its focus, from literally the opening credit scenes, which are delivering information and, and style and cool, no frame is wasted. And in a film festival this year at London, where it was just packed with these really bloated films with over three plus hour running times that felt so baggy and self-indulgent and overfunded by streaming studios, I had a lot of time for a film that was utterly ruthless in what it showed on screen, incredibly efficient in delivering narrative and had real respect for our time as the audience. I was gripped by every frame of this film. It was utterly compelling. I really hope you enjoy this film as much as I do. It's rated R and has a running time of 118 minutes. It played the Venice and London Film Festivals. It is in cinemas now. And although it's going to be on Netflix for you to watch in the pleasure of your own home, a week on Friday on November 10th, I really hope you can make the effort to see this in cinemas because, my word, the cinematography, the sound design, the score all deserve a proper screen and audio setup. This is a film you watch for how it looks and how it flows on the screen. The next film to discuss today is Kenneth Branagh's A Haunting in Venice which is an incredibly loose adaptation of an Agatha Christie murder mystery and the third in Kenneth Branagh's reinterpretation of her famous Belgian detective Hercule Poirot. The film is rated PG-13 and has a quite short running time of 103 minutes. It's a very efficient film. It was released in cinemas on September 13th, 
but it's now available on Hulu or on video streaming uh, paid on demand just in time for Halloween before going on release on Disney Plus probably in around six weeks time. So this is the first time you can properly watch it at home. Some of you may know that I also podcast at Vassals of Kingsgrave. So if you search for VOK podcast, so V for Victor, O for Oscar, K for Kilo podcast, you'll find me there. And we have been doing a linear reread of all the Agatha Christie books. So I'm a huge Agatha Christie fan. And I loved Kenneth Brenner's first adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express because It was very respectful of the plotting and the beautiful construction of that book, but added to it beautiful cinematic opulence. And where it had made light changes, I felt those were sensitive to the original material, but also to the contemporary viewer. So it was just a beautiful mix. I was less enthralled by Death on the Nile, which I did go to see at the cinema. In fact, that was the first film I watched post-pandemic when cinemas reopened. I watched it in New York and I was so excited and then so disappointed. And the reason for that is that Kenneth Branagh, in all his arrogance, had decided to quite markedly change the intricate construction of the plot and the motivations of many of the famous characters. And I felt all for the worse. I felt it did not serve the book. In this novel, in this adaptation, Kenneth Branagh's maybe on safer ground because he's adapting a very late Agatha Christie novel called A Halloween Party. And as we know, she had her great years in the 30s, 40s, and maybe even 50s. But by the late 60s, her powers were definitely waning as she got older. So this is perhaps not one of the favourite Agatha Christie novels, but it's still very well plotted, I feel. And this is the loosest adaptation of all. Kenneth Branagh and writer Michael Green have definitely taken liberties and really reinvented the entire plot, the location, the characterizations. So in fairness to the film, I decided to completely disregard my knowledge of the book and just watch it on its its own terms. Does it work as a murder mystery by its own plotting and its own terms? We find Hercule Poirot, our Belgian detective, retired in Venice, really a recluse and not taking on any cases. And he's brought out of retirement by his good friend Ari Adney Oliver, who's a famous crime writer, really a pastiche um, on Agatha Christie herself. And she is played beautifully, I feel, by Tina Fey, who you'll know from 30 Rock. I mean, just a wonderful comedian. To not investigate a murder so much as debunk a medium called Joyce Reynolds, played by Michelle Yeoh. Effectively, what's happened is that there is a very famous opera singer, Rowena Drake, played by Kelly Riley, who you'll all know if you watch Yellowstone. And she's mourning the death of her young adult daughter and is desperate to contact her. And this medium, Joyce Reynolds, says that she can help her contact her daughter. And really what Ariadne Oliver and Hercule Poirot go to do is to debunk the medium and stop her from preying on, you know, innocent, vulnerable, grieving people. This all takes place in a Venetian mansion on Halloween night when there's trick and treating, where there are lots of children celebrating Halloween, which seems a little bit anachronistic, but there we are. And the other people present in this closed house mystery are Dr. Leslie Ferrier, played by Jamie Dornan of... Uh, Shades of Grey fame. There is Camille Cotin, who is wonderful, I think, as the housemaid um, Olga Semenov. You'll know her from Call My Agent, the TV show, if you watch that. 
We also have the medium's assistant, played by Emma Laird, Desdemona, beautifully named. We have the dead girl's fiancé, Maxime. And we have an Italian police officer who was shamed by not being able to solve the mystery of what happened to the girl, played by Ricardo Scamarcio. We also have a rather creepy kid, which I always like in a in a murder mystery or a spooky story, played by Jude Hill, who starred in the Kenneth Branagh film Belfast that was Oscar nominated. So all these people, because of a storm, are holed up in this creepy, creepy, darkly lit Venetian mansion. And as with all Agatha Christie films, we learn more and more about the characters and then he solves the crime. But really, I don't feel this works as a murder mystery particularly well. As with Death on the Nile, I feel that the changes made somehow work less well than the construction of the original and don't work on their own. And actually, it was funny. I was talking to another fellow podcaster from VOK and he was saying I couldn't quite follow it. And I didn't know if I wasn't, you know, I was just too tired. But even I found it quite murky to follow. And I'm highly attuned to murder mysteries. It just didn't really seem to hang together as a plot. And I'd also say that while I liked some of the character development of the different characters and the idea of showing what a post-World War II Europe is like, piecing itself together and the role of the American soldiers in that, the use of the Holocaust as a shortcut for character development, I find somewhat distasteful. Although I'd say that for the characters whom it affects, the acting is really good. And I would say that a number of the cast are really impressive. Jamie Dornan is incredibly impressive with this. And I would also say that Emma Laird, an actress I hadn't really seen or heard of before, is very good as Desdemona Holland. She also used to be a model, so she has a very arresting face. So, um, yes, I really did like, I think she has a future and we should keep an eye on her going forward. So having dismissed this as a murder mystery, I wondered, okay, will it now work as a horror film? And I'm not really an aficionado of spooky films, but it seemed to me like a lot of it was quite cheap. So let's have every shot shown at a skewed angle. Um, I felt that a lot of the jump scares were okay, but they didn't really scare me. And I have a very low tolerance for spooky movies. It felt a little bit like the Kenneth Branagh film Dead Again, where it relies on very sort of expressionistic, very sort of obvious camera tricks to try and speak you out. And I just don't find it particularly affecting. And I have to say that overall, I'm finding this Kenneth Branagh Hercule Poirot series a, a matter of diminishing returns. And I've definitely given up on seeing these in the cinema and I really am not sure if I'll watch the next one if it gets made at all. Still, I hope you have more fun watching this film and if you do, feel free to leave a comment at beena007.com. Um, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. 